Welcome to Keep Going, a podcast about failure and success, hosted by John Biggs. Every week, we talk to an amazing person about a time they failed and what they learned. And remember, when you're going through hell, keep going. Welcome back to Keep Going, a podcast about failure and success. Today on the show, I have Joe McReynolds. He's a senior research scientist at Keraton Labs and a visiting researcher at Keio University and, uh, and a knowledgeable of all things Japan, it seems like. Right, Joe? Welcome. Well, that's actually uh, what I'll talk a little bit about. Okay, super. I, my day job, my career uh, that I was trying to succeed in, still am trying to succeed in, uh, is focused on Chinese information warfare, China's national security. I study the Chinese military mm-hmm. for a living, essentially. And as part of that, um, my big leap back in 2016, I joined the Hillary Clinton campaign as a foreign policy advisor. And that was my first time being in an, in, an environment where everyone was, was just like relentless type A hard charging, and uh, we were really hopeful to succeed at winning the presidential election, Mm -hmm. making positive changes in the country, you name it. And then uh, suddenly, as we got up to November 2016, election day, we started to realize that that might not be happening. And what was looking like our crowning success, this running against this absolute buffoon, um, turned into, oh, shit, the buffoon might actually win. Um, of course, I, I was you know a junior grunt in the thing, um, but I, I, I didn't have any special knowledge or anything of what was going to happen. But it, it was start, start, things that seemed so successful and triumphant were, it was suddenly starting to take this, this uh, turn mm-hmm. south. And I remember I joined the campaign with a friend of mine who got really, really wrapped up in the kind of type A jockeying for position in what we thought would be future White House jobs. And the night of the election, I found out that uh, my friend, who I went back a decade with, had uh, outmaneuvered me uh, to try and be uh, getting FaceTime with the bigwigs at what we thought would be the victory party. And uh, so instead, I was uh, watching a, a David Bowie cover act uh, perform when the election results came in. And as as uh, Starman started playing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, oh, man, waiting in the sky. Uh, he'd like to come and meet us, but he's scared he'll blow our minds. Uh, we found out that all of that jockeying was for nothing, <laughs> that... Hillary Clinton wasn't even going to be president, and that suddenly, instead of fighting like hell to improve the country, the country was actually going to get dramatically worse. And there was definitely some wallowing in failure for a bit, uh, some some time spent just turning inward and picking myself up, uh, but... Then I started to think, okay, in addition to whatever I can do to try and mitigate the damage Trump's doing, 
the the sort of destruction of this dream I had had, this dream of going to work in in the Clinton White House that didn't exist. Mm -hmm. What are other dreams in my life, big dreams, that this could have inadvertently opened the door to? Uh, One of those was that I had always been fascinated with Tokyo. Um, I speak Japanese. I had lived in Japan for a little bit, and I'd spent a, a you know early career in foreign policy. I'd spent it traveling the world, seeing cities around the world, and Tokyo was, I thought, the most dynamic, fascinating city in the world. And but I I thought the idea of studying Tokyo professionally, it's well, you know, that's in another life. Maybe I could have. You know, it's it's it was a. I've made my choices, that door has closed. And then with the the great defeat of the Hillary Clinton campaign uh, falling apart, I started to say to myself, well, wait a second, what if I just don't, what if I don't think of it in those terms? What if I don't agree with myself that that door has closed mm-hmm. and, and kind of be, start being skeptical about my own sense of, of what's possible and isn't possible, what then? And for a year or two, that didn't end up meaning much, but I started I started knocking on doors a little bit about they just thinking like what could even start to get me to uh, over to Japan because you need you need a proper visa to go uh, for more than 90 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't just move when you want to. And I started making contacts with um, Japanese think tanks and uh, Japanese research institutions. And eventually, the way it ended up, it, it took uh, you know two years maybe to figure out how to do this, but uh, the Japanese Ministry of Defense made me a visiting fellow to study uh, Chinese military information warfare. Mm-hmm there but with very um easy flexible hours uh they said you know we won't really pay you but we'll give you the visa and in exchange i was given the freedom to start to study tokyo urbanism and i was a little bit terrified and excited i was both excited and terrified to try that because i have no formal training in urban studies in studying cityscapes um and understanding how cities work but day job as a national security analyst i do know how to ask questions and dig deeply and find answers so i thought something might be possible here uh and and i i part of me wanted to just very cautiously dip my toe in and then part of me said wait a second why not just go for broke with this um I I started consciously setting a very high bar for myself in public, talking to people I know, uh, saying, I'm going to research Tokyo intensely enough to write a book about how Tokyo works, That uh, a book that doesn't really exist in English Mm -hmm. and may not even exist in Japanese in the same way yet, um, because I've read what's been written so far, and there's, there's clearly a lot missing here from the public discussion and American cities are not doing great right now. And I'd love to be a part of figuring out new possibilities for cities around the world based on 
learning from Tokyo. And as an absurd goal to set for someone who, again, does not have formal training in, in urban studies, but setting that goal for myself, as terrifying as it was, and as as, as scary as it was to put that out there publicly, so, you know, I'd, I would look like a buffoon uh, if I didn't actually deliver anything on that. Um, it helped light a fire under me, mm-hmm. and that ended up uh, over, a, over a year spent in Tokyo, and then working for you know, two years over the pandemic, what's now turned out to be a best-selling book on Tokyo urbanism, or at least uh, best-selling in in our little niche of urbanism. But, you know, number one on Amazon for its category, but more importantly, like, the people I've always respected and idolized who actually have spent decades working on Tokyo said they they found it interesting and useful and cool, and, and... Ordinary people with an interest have have told me they they really loved it too. And and when I was writing it, I thought nobody was gonna read this book. Um, I thought maybe you know three people, but I I it felt like just this personal passion project that I had to get out there into the world. And I I worked with a whole team at Ko University uh, on on writing it. It was you know it was it was definitely a, a group project where where I was one of the main authors and yeah ultimately what started out as this sense of of failure and being adrift from the Clinton campaign you know failing to win the presidency and having the the thing that I thought was my next big step just kind of fade into the ether that ended up freeing me up to think more creatively about what was possible in my own life. That ended up giving me the time and space to sit back and not be focused on immediately reaching for the next rung of a ladder. Um, and part of that time, you know, I I, I got some video games played. Mm-hmm. I caught up with friends that I hadn't caught up with as much as I should have during the campaign. I generally just allowed myself to settle and and be at peace. And what made you then f- just yeah? So what, what what made you feel that the that the that losing the campaign would made you personally a failure? Was there what, did did you feel a did you feel a any sense that it was your fault to a degree or what what was the what was the uh, what was the no, sense I, there? I, no, I, I I promise you, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not a megalomaniac. <laughs> <laughs> the 2016 election did not come down to you know, yeah, my, yeah, my you're, 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 or my, you're, uh, your you input, know, my uh, one page position papers on Asian security mm-hmm. policy that that maybe two people read. No, um, it was what it was made you less, feel bad about it. Well, I mean, I mainly felt bad about what it meant for the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially you know all different groups of marginalized people in America were made less safe, less secure, less prosperous by the Trump administration. But I, I felt it it felt like less of a sense of, of fault. Like I've failed. It's my fault. It felt more like this onwards and upwards trajectory 
that had provided me a sense of guidance and uh, and and purpose and and sort of clarity of what the next part of my life would look like mm-hmm. was then suddenly ripped away. Hmm. And in the time since then, you know, there have been other major ways in which I've had a, a big idea of what the next part of my life is going to look like that have been similarly or, or differently ripped away. And it's really been um, helpful now to understand, you know, life is what happens while you're making other plans, as the cliche mm-hmm. goes. And the to the extent I have freedom and power and agency in my own life, um, a big part of that is how I respond to things not going according to plan and how open I am to the sheer length and possibilities that life offers. I like that. So that's, that's an interesting, that's an interesting uh, point. I think there's, I think in, in your case, it sounds like you had, you had your heart set on one thing and, and it switched, right? It kind of changed tracks. Uh, what was, what were some of the best practices for you to get onto that other track? Uh, what did you, what did you think when you were, especially when you like, was it just an idea that, Hey, I'm going to go over to Japan and do these cool things? Well, I had also, I had started collecting, um, primary source materials, books on Tokyo urban studies, Japanese language, um, books on different niche parts of Tokyo for a period of years. And I had this idea of, I don't know what I'm going to do with this yet, but it could be something. And I thought to myself, you know, my Japanese reading at that point was a little on the slower side, but, you know, maybe OCR technologies um, for being able to digitally translate whole books at once, maybe those will continue to advance and maybe that'll make it my library more bi- easily bilingual over time. You don't, you, you don't quite know, mm-hmm. and you, but leaning towards the side of, I'm going to take incremental baby steps towards I'm not sure what, and maybe I take incremental baby steps towards multiple different things simultaneously that are all uh, mutually contradictory to each other, but that I give myself the ability uh, to take one step more uh, in these things rather than just never taking the first step. And... I feel that was huge. Yeah, I feel like that's hard for people. What What do you think in your personality or in your experience, or even just in that in that brief period, made you think that that was the best way to go? Stepping into the unknown, I mean, right? Well, I, I think two things. Well, one is just you know people rate differently in terms of openness to different forms of experiences. That's a major uh, personality test metric. I'm very uh, high on openness to new experiences. Um, Two, I mean, I have a lot of privilege in this world. I am a, you know, white, Jewish, cis, straight guy with a uh, reasonable white-collar income and a support of, of... really wonderful parents and 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 friends and family and and that has given me a ton of of sort of solid foundation from which to feel safe to explore that's absolutely um a huge part of it um but also i think just being okay with looking foolish being okay with looking uh, silly or having egg on my face 
Um, not necessarily though using that as a as, to to then license myself to be just uh, foolishly taking giant leaps with nothing behind them, you know, move fast, break stuff, mm-hmm. as they say in Silicon Valley. I think that's a pretty bullshit ideology. Um, but, but taking feeling feeling okay with being out of my element, taking those initial steps, especially when it's I'm working in a field where nearly everyone uh, has a PhD and I don't, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, working in um, and in a language Japanese where I'm proficient, but they are full on fluent. Um, that and but then doing that while being uh, humble and learning from those with uh, with more expertise and background than myself, looking at what my original contribution could be, what I can uh, what I can bring to the table in the end, but but still coming from a place of humbleness and curiosity about about my own place in it that you don't want to feel that in that understandable insecurity and then lean in t- towards well then I'm going to be extra bold and puff myself up with bravado it's it's I saw myself as kind of apprenticing under the masters in a new uh, a new line of of intellectual endeavor mm-hmm. and Doing that and being humble and curious helped me to then eventually figure out what my own original contribution would be, how I could be useful uh, to this field full of people who I respect the hell out of and learn so much from. And and so it ended up being a, a, a symbiosis after after that period of kind of apprenticeship. And so I think a lot of people trying new things they find it uncomfortable to be on the bottom rung, to be kind of in, in apprentice mode for various reasons. And so they try and rush past that. But being an apprentice is how you eventually learn to be useful. I won't say how you learn to be a master, because that's not the mm-hmm. goal. The goal is to be useful and and to grow and, and learn. I like that. I like that. That's, a, that's also a very, I think that seems very Japanese as well. It's well. Part of my book is about how a lot of the stereotypes people have about uh, Japanese culture are uh, are actually uh, kind of more media creations mm-hmm. rather than uh, an actual model of the Japanese culture. So uh, on, on the basis of that, I would push back on that. Okay. But it's, I would say it's, it's it's not it's not not Japanese anyway. There is definitely a, a, an a culture of apprenticeship in many areas of Japanese life, as there is in American mm-hmm. life, just uh, areas that we we often don't see as visibly in our mass culture because we valorize the uh, the maverick who tells everyone sure. older and wiser than them to fuck off because they're gonna you know do it all themselves. And all of my book projects have been group projects because I don't believe that we're at our best when we're working alone for the most part. Wonderful. Joe, thank you for sharing this. This has been uh, pretty interesting from the, from like a global stage to, uh, to, I guess a city stage. It was a, uh, it was an interesting uh, yeah. journey. And uh, we're, yeah, we're been, can... been really great talking to you. Thank you. Yeah. And where can people find the book? Uh, the book emergent Tokyo designing the spontaneous city uh, is I think sold out right now on Amazon, but if you Google Emergent Tokyo, 
Designing the Spontaneous City. Um, the publisher, Oro Editions, I believe, has, has still has some copies left. And uh, also message me on Twitter, McReynoldsJoe. Happy to uh, direct people to copies there. But uh, it's it's a good problem to have that we've had trouble keeping the book in stock. Excellent. All right, Joe McReynolds, thank you for joining us. This has been Keep Going, a podcast about failure and success. I'm John Biggs. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much, John. Thanks so much, John. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Keep Going. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening. And remember, when you're going through hell, keep going. Soon my heart goes running.